Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As our attention turns to the busiest time of the year, with one eye on the upcoming calving season of 2022, we look to simple work practices and technologies that will save us time come spring. Labour researchers Marion Beecher and Connor Hogan quantify what tasks will have the biggest impact on your workload. And I first asked Marion why farmers are striving to improve labour efficiency. From research, farmers are actually putting um, an increased emphasis on their own work-life balance. So farmers themselves are wanting to um, spend more time with family or do other things outside of farming and, and, and use farming as a means to an end. So I suppose that that's one aspect. I suppose the other aspect is actually, you know, there's a, there's a challenge in terms of finding workers at the moment. So the availability of workers has led to, an, you know, um, an increase in the interest in, in terms of improving labour efficiency. But there's also other aspects such as, you know, by improving labour efficiency, it's not all about necessarily about, you know, saving time in certain instances, but it's about making the work more enjoyable and more easier. Um, and if that happens, then it's likely to be done better. And I suppose the knock-on benefits of that is that it actually, you know, increased profits or um, it makes it easier to attract people to, to, to work on your farm. And then I suppose overall on the grand scheme of things, it, it, it comes back to, the, to, to money. Um, and actually by improving your labor efficiency, you can in, um, reduce your costs and increase profits. And if we consider, um, you know, it's it's not that far away from the 1st of February, hard to believe um, as the year is flying by. But, you know, February is just around the corner and by and large, farmers will start calving cows around the 1st of February. If we consider that, um, you know, February calving time and, and into the onset of the breeding, um, looking at spring summertime, how much of our workload is compacted into that uh, five month period? Yes, yeah, so I suppose that for first seasonal calving based systems, as you described there, Louise, um, research has shown that um, for the spring and summer periods combined, it counts for 57% of the total annual work. And of that 57%, um, almost a third of that 32% occurs in that springtime. So in that February, March and April period, and then 25% over the summer. So, so it's a huge chunk of the annual workload on seasonal calving systems that goes into that, you know, first six months of the year, effectively. And Connor, you would have looked at, at this time frame on a study that you've carried out with dairy farmers across the country. Can you give us some information about the farms you would have studied? Yeah, so on the back of, of what Marion said, Emma Louise, we, we did a study from February to June in 2019, um, basically looking to measure labour input on farms. And 82 farms took part in this study and, and they basically recorded their, their um, time input once a week on a, on a different day each week for, for that time frame. Um, so like basically the aim, the, the aim of that study was to, to basically capture and benchmark labour input on, on, on farms in, in that period. And we would have found that farms were working about, um, it ended up that it was 18.2 hours per cow for that period from February to June for an average herd size of about 137 cows. Um, so, so significant time input was, was going in during that period. 
And and that 18.2 hours per cow, is that fairly standard, Connor, with what we would have seen in previous um, work carried out uh, on labour measurement or where does it rank? Um, so relative to, to, say, Justine Deming's study, which would have been in, say, 2015 and 16, but that focused on, I suppose, specifically labour efficient farms. But but our our study would have found that farmers were working more um, more hours per cow for this period. She her average was about twenty one or twenty two hours per cow for the full year, whereas ours found they were working eighteen point two for for just this time frame. So it was significantly more um, for for the period, but a, but a different and a more representative sample of farmers in this study. And looking then specifically, you measured labour input on these farms. You know, I suppose. Could you categorize what type of tasks you identified farmers doing and and where I suppose was was the majority of their time spent? Um, yeah, so we divided basically um on this smartphone app on which farmers were recording the the ta- there was ten separate tasks. So what we found was milking was was the most time consuming task as you'd expect. That was just over thirty percent of time. And this was followed by calf care at fourteen percent, grass and management at thirteen cow care then and repairs and maintenance both at 10%. They were the five most time-consuming tasks on farm. And what level of work practices and technologies from a labour efficiency perspective did you observe on those farms, Connor? Um, yeah, so as part of, of, of the study, Emma-Louise, we, we basically we assessed what work practice and technology implementation was, was being um, put in on, on these farms. And, and of the farms, we basically found that there was 59 work practices and technologies that were related to labor efficiency. Um, so basically each farm then was, was given a score based on this. Um, so where you implemented best practice for labor efficiency for, for a given work practice or technology, you were allocated a point or, or one score. So what we found was that on average, farms implemented um, 30, pract- 30 work practices and technologies out of the 59, so just over 50% um, of them. And basically, there was a large range, once, once again, like all things related to, to labor efficiency, there was a large range in implementation of these work practices and technologies. Um, so it, it highlights that I suppose there's, there's room to improve on many farms and that there's, there's large potential gains regarding labor efficiency um, to do with the work practices and technologies. And Connor, we would often hear, you know, larger herds tend to be more labor efficient. Is that something that you would have observed within this study? Um, yeah, that's something that, that we saw, Emma-Louise. Um, and it was also something that we saw with, with the work practice and technology implementation that, that larger farms were implementing more practices and technologies than, than um, smaller farms. And it's likely to be part of the reason why they're more labor efficient. So just on that point, Emma-Louise, what we've seen and what Connor has seen and what to tally up with previous research is that herd size isn't a barrier to being labour efficient. Um, and we've seen a huge range within herd size categories as well. So in smaller farms, we've seen that they can be equally as efficient as some of the larger farms. And, and there's huge variation um, regardless of herd size um, out on farm. And I suppose that's the same with everything in terms of, you know, grassland management, you know, we've seen some farms can grow, you know, 15 or 16 tonnes of grass and others are, are struggling with, um, you know, eight or nine tonnes of grass in the year. So 
there is huge variation within herd sizes um, as well as um, increasing herd size. And it's interesting. Um, it's a really good point you, you make, Marion. And while the trend is as you increase the number of cows, there is increased efficiency. But there's, you know, regardless of herd size, there's a huge range in terms of what people are achieving. And to you, Connor, if we consider um, the springtime and every year, I would say the biggest um, learning that I would get in terms of saving time and, and um, saving, improving labour efficiency would be once a day milking in the month of February. You've identified 59 tasks across the spring and summer. So let's talk through some of those. What are the practices and technologies that you would have investigated that you would see easiest to implement on farm? Um, yeah, so um, Louise, there's a there's a huge amount of, of practices and technologies available to us um, to improve labour efficiency. But I suppose it is important to focus on the ones that are easiest to implement. And there's lots of work organisation practices that are um, should be relatively straightforward to implement, yet there isn't, yet uptake of them isn't, um, fully across uptake across the board isn't overly high with some with some of the practices like some of these would include um, leaving the, the, the milking pit to feed calves during milking is still being done on, on many farms and having to herd cows into the parlor um, for each row of cows is, is another one um, feeding calves with with buckets or you know like there's plenty of mechanical techniques to, to draw milk um, so we should be looking to avoid buckets and that sort of stuff and, and limited limiting kind of manual work as well stuff like hand scraping and that um and like these these tasks should be relatively easy to implement and they should also have benefits not only for labor efficiency but also as regards manual work and and limiting how much um how much manual work will have to be doing on, on farm because because there's enough of it and talk through then the amount of time farmers will save as a result of implementing some of these practices or technologies um yeah so we we of the 59 practices and technologies then like we basically quite estimated the time that could be saved through 12 main the 12 key work practices and technologies which are across the four most time consuming tasks so for milking we found that that um say having one person in the milking pit for mid lactation and that's obviously depending a lot on your parlor size and and everything else um, to do with that. So that saved about three hours per cow. Um, ACRs were seen to save about two and a half hours per cow. Um, not leaving the pit to feed calves during milking was to save, um, seen to save minus um, 1.3 hours per cow. Um, and operating, having the ability to operate exit gates from anywhere in the pit was 0.9 hours per cow. And then um herding cows in and out mechanically so basically on a quad or 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 in a farm jeep or that was 0.9 hours per cow again so large savings there through through some relatively straightforward um practices and and um around milking um so similarly then there was a couple for calf care as well so basically contract rearing was seen to save about 0.8 hours per cow um automatic or ad-lib calf feeders um, about 0.7 hours per cow, um, not rearing bull calves on, on the farm. So, so selling bull calves was seen to, to save about 0.7 hours per cow again and, and training calves on group feeders from days one to four as opposed to individual pens was, was seen to save about a half an hour per cow as well. And finally then um, for grassland management, 
we were looking at a saving of, of 1.8 hours per cow for contracting out slurry spreading um, for the spring, which, which can be a huge time saving for that task. And there was two, I suppose, simple, relatively straightforward um, practices for around cow care. And they involved basically no hand scraping taking place on the farm, which would save about 0.5 hours per cow and cleaning dry cow cubicles once a day, which was 0.5 hours per cow again. So there's a, there's a large range of practices in Louise that, Emma Louise that can save us, save us um, time. And, and that's, that's, I suppose, a sample of, of the most prominent ones that we found. A huge amount of information there, Connor. And I think just to pick up on um, on one or two tasks that you're talking about in relation to milking, as you say, it totally depends on the parlor size. And um, you know, if you're in a forty-unit parlor, it is a it's a two people operating that particular parlor. But there's a lot of scenarios where you know you start in the springtime there is a requirement for two operators in the parlour and then it just becomes a habit and two people continue to work in the parlour for each milking. That's a saving you mentioned of three hours per cow where there's one operator mid-season. And if we think about that across a 300, say 100 cow herd, that's 300 hours. And, you know, if that second operator is a paid employee, you know, even at minimum wage, that, that really adds up. And, and the reality is we're paying more than minimum wage uh, at this stage on farms. The, a huge amount of a task that you mention. I'll come back then to another task in the spring. Um, and it might be related to, you know, scraping cubicles once a day. But, you know, from, um, I suppose, a cow health perspective and from a feed cost perspective, there's often a push where conditions allow to get cows out from calving so in and around the 1st of February could you quantify the time saving Connor if you get cows out to grass compared with if you kept them in the shed and you were feeding them silage and scraping and liming cubicles twice a day um well we don't have a um we don't have an actual figure for that Emma Louise but having cows out early um say having cows out full time before the 14th of February that was seen um, to be more la- that was associated with labor efficiency it was one of the 59 practices that we found so that by doing that it definitely is a time saving um, on farms and, and Connor you mentioned that um, where farmers are contracting out their slurry it has a huge time saving of 1.8 hours per cow the use of the contractor is something we often talk about for the spring but potentially underutilized on farms uh, what tasks would you see farmers could engage with the con- contracting out work during the busy time? Yeah, so slurry was obviously a, a hugely important one, Emma Louise, and there's also um, the spreading of, of soil water and, and fertilizer by the contractor at that time of year. They were also shown to be labor efficient practices as well. And like on the contractors, there's also um, huge potential there as regards potentially, say, feeding. Um, contract rearing calves it was another one that 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 is a labor efficient practice and there's also contracting out any repairs and maintenance work on the farm to, to specialist people where possible um, it's it's going to save time on the farm so so should be definitely considered and some of the um, practices and technologies that Connor has mentioned, you know, involve automation or, you know, investment in facilities, which which invariably have a financial cost. Um, 
With the exception of labour, what should farmers consider when they're completing, say, a cost-benefit analysis in considering one of these technologies? Yeah, that's a fair point. I suppose many of the tasks, many of the things that Connor has identified are, are very little cost, but there are, are obviously ones that do incur a higher cost. And I suppose it's up to each individual farmer to wait up for his and her or hers individual situation. And I suppose the first thing to look at is actually what task is that job or automation or technology going to do? And it should be focused on the one of the most time-consuming tasks, ideally, so either milking or um, calf care. And I suppose you have to consider, I suppose, the, the overall cost of the technology or practice that you're implementing. But I suppose then it's important to look at the benefits of that technology. And I suppose looking at the indirect benefits of, you know, um, what would be the cost if that job wasn't done properly or correctly? So example, over milking. So if you don't, if you over milk cows, you're more susceptible to, to mastitis and what's the cost of that? Um, you know, that could be, you know, antibiotic tubes or it could also be um, the, the time actually in treating sick cows as well. And then I suppose you have to look as it was, that's tied in with the time saved. So again, you were talking, Emma Louise, about the, the paying staff on an hourly basis. And actually, if you can implement a technology that will automate or partially automate a process, well, then you're going to save in, in terms of um, your time or staff time. And, and again, it goes back to, again, making the job easier. So it might, if it's, again, if it's making the job easier, it's going to be done, be done better. Um, and again, there, there's a positive impacts based on that. And it's up to each individual farmer to weigh up the value of the technology to him or herself and also the importance of the job that they're looking to automate out. And finally, then, Marion, you know, I, I mentioned calving season is just around the corner. And if we consider the conversation that we've had today, could you give us some of your top tips that farmers can uh, so farmers can ensure that they minimise the labour demand that they experience in the spring of 2022? Yeah, so I suppose it basically goes back to a few few simple things, Emily Louise. It goes back to you know having facilities, practices, technology, and people management right on farms. So with that in mind, it's I think it's important to I suppose plan your spring. So that means you know please so prepare, so prepare your facilities. You know prevent um, and prioritize tasks. So spending time now on on things like um, you know vaccinating cows. To, to prevent scour or um, you know spending some time in repairs and maintenance so that your scrapers or certain um, machinery don't break down during the middle of spring can help. So L then in terms of labour force, so ensuring you have enough people available, including contractors, um, to manage the workload. So A then would be around about taking action. So implementing the practices and technologies um, that you know some of the ones that Connor has identified or that are specific for your own farm particularly I suppose in terms of the two time um, most time consuming tasks which would be milking and calving and then I suppose lastly so N which would be like the number of enterprises so reducing the number of groups of stock on your farm so maybe selling the unproductive animals you know having a plan to, to either contract rear your calves or um, getting rid of your bull calves as soon as you know legally possible um, and you know ma matching your stock numbers to your facilities. 
I think there's been some really interesting tips um, throughout this conversation. And in particular, as you step down through some of the uh, practices, Connor, and, and, and actually identifying how much time that is saving farms that you have measured in reality. A lot of the practices have little or no cost. So making these changes are actually free. And from what you have highlighted at the start, Mary, massive positive impact in terms of the labour demand, how attractive your farm is as a workplace, and then taking a lot of that um, manual labour out of the farm, which has huge benefits in terms of health and safety. Thank you, Marion, and thank you, Connor. Thanks, Emma Louise. Thanks, Emma Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Connor Hogan and Marion Beecher for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.